Hi, this is Web37 Daily, a 1.37 p.m. daily Twitter space on all things NFTs and Web3. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I apologize for what is probably a little bit of background noise right now. I'm currently at a restaurant in Banff, Canada, here at a little conference uh, that my friend is hosting, uh, Peter. In this episode, I had the opportunity, we as a collective sat down and chatted about gaming and NFTs. Good buddy of mine, Corey, you'll hear his story, but I met Corey while he was working at Panini, doing all things sports cards. We connected over our love for all things proper football, proper football sports cards. And then as Web3 has started to kind of come to the ecosystem over the last years, Corey was also very deep in gaming and that works at a company, Artera, that is helping empower digital collectibles across the gaming and esports space. I hope you enjoyed it. Calling in from today, calling in, joining the spaces. Where's where, whereabouts? Where are you? Uh, so I'm out in Virginia right now. So I, I live out in uh, uh, Virginia, down by the mountains. I used to live in Dallas, from California. So kind of just uh, all over the country at this point. Nice. So how I like to start a lot of these spaces is context. Context yeah. as to the individual, um, and what I would say pre Web three. Obviously, a lot has happened in the space, even this last week. Um, Moonbirds is one thing, but uh, whether it's, you want to call it a meta or a lot that's happening in this space, founders' background, founders' experience, and I don't think that's anything new if you come from a startup VC world experience obviously matters. Sometimes non-experience can be very bliss, but I love, Corey, for you to just give a little bit of background pre-Artera, who you are, and how that led that up into getting involved into NFTs and gaming? What's like the last five years of your career look like? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, you know, the last five years have been uh, kind of a, a crazy five years. I mean, I spent uh, about seven years actually with Panini building trading card brands with the NFL, NBA, FIFA, Premier League. And, uh, you know, before that, had spent some time with uh, the Kings and the Clippers out in Los Angeles and a couple other different things. But always been a collector of trading cards, especially, and you know, um, even you know, as a kid, just uh, always wanting to to follow um, what the new trading card product was. And I even look back and see my like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Dick Tracy ones too, uh, from when I was really really young. But uh, the funny thing is, when I was with Panini, I was working at the rookie photo shoot for the NFL and the NFLPA. This is back in 2018, and um, I had actually been talking this is with sam darnold baker mayfield saquon barkley big class big class right um and of the 40 athletes there like half of them couldn't stop talking about Fortnite, and i think even like five of them had brought their ps4s to los angeles and it started to kind of just mess with my brain a little bit because i'd always you know associated athletes as being gamers but not necessarily playing the Fortnites, the Call of Duties, the you know just the the big games that that hardcore gamers were playing uh, in a way, I'd kind of associated them with being FIFA or, you know, 2K or Madden. Yeah, Madden and so I still, or, you know, on those ESPN programs and then playing sports games. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it, it started to really, like, mess with my head. And I started talking to my friends who are in the industry and, you know, understanding more about esports and gaming and the business side of it. And, um, you know, understanding that that connection between sports and esports and gaming. And in the midst of all that, I started looking at like, okay, Panini had done deals with Complexity Gaming and Fortnite, but nothing really had a ton of traction. And I'd really been intrigued about trying to find a way to make collectibles for content creators, esports orgs, that kind of world. Because you can't just, you know, for a Call of Duty fan or a Overwatch fan or a um, League of Legends fan, cardboard just doesn't really have that same connection. so in 2020, I uh, ended up leaving Panini and over the course of the year, uh, was able to meet up with uh, John and Bridge, the co-founders of Artera. And there was so much uh, 
commonality where the tech that they had built and the things that they were really ambitioning towards made a lot of sense with my own passions, my background at, at Panini. And um, yeah, it was kind of it's a great match. And um, over the course of the last you know 18 months, we've seen obviously the NFT space and um, this world just completely transform itself, what feels like every other month. And so it's been really exciting to see what we've been able to build and um, some of the, the awesome things that we've got um, in the hopper for, for this year. We're going to get into all that. Who got into <laughs> collecting as a human growing up? You know, what's funny is I had uh, friends when I was a kid who were just really, really big into uh, football cards. And so I would just NFL go to the grocery Or what we'll call proper football. <laughs> it was not quite proper football yet. It was definitely uh, just NFL at the time. And um, so then it was baseball. I still remember, you know, being a kid in California, collecting as many Barry Bonds cards as I could. And then I ended up becoming a Mariners fan. So I was connect, trying to collect every Alex Rodriguez and Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. as I could. Um, you know, obviously what my like $5 allowance could could afford. Um, but I always kept up with the, the card industry when I got into high school. My best friend and I collected a lot of basketball cards. So, I mean, I went, you know, very, very deep in the, the LeBron rookie year class and uh, spent a lot of money that year and wish I still had some of it. But unfortunately, that's all been <laughs> uh, sold many, many, many years ago. Um, and then but, how you know, gaming? Were you a Yeah, gamer? so... Uh, some of the, oh, I mean, some of the earliest pictures of me have a controller in my hand. I mean, I, I have memories when I was a kid going over to a family friend's place and, and beating uh, the, the OG Super Mario Brothers uh, while my family's inside having dinner and drinks with people. Um, and so, I mean, I, I have vivid memories of getting an Easter basket uh, when I was like seven, I think it was, and Tecmo Super Bowl was in there. And I, I probably have played Tecmo Bowl more than any other game of my life, maybe. Um, but I mean, some people, something a lot of people don't know is I actually played competitive Team Fortress uh, when I was in high school. The, the original Team Fortress, not the, the cartoon shaded one. Uh, I was a really terrible. I mean, I was a I was a really marginally okay uh, engineer and a terrible spy. So um, nice. you know, it, it was good for a little while until I went to college, and then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always been a gamer. Um, played a lot of RPGs, played a lot of fighting games. I mean, my best friend and I um, played a ton of Dreamcast. Uh, so, you know, we would play a lot of Power Stone. We'd play like Capcom for Justin K. Yeah. Uh, we had about, a ton of those about, games. You speak my language, Corey. <laughs> hey. Put that out there. Here we go. I love it. I love it. You're like just now then getting to a time period. And this is where I'm going to try to connect the dots and then lead into our Terra is like DLC. I remember yep. memory memory card first and foremost, like PlayStation, PlayStation Two, like saving yep. games, and then like having to overwrite the file and like taking the memory card to your friend's house. <laughs> you know, is like my earliest thoughts of digital collectible, right? Saving yeah. these kind of whether it is simply a memory or some form of digital holding that you may attach value to. Anything yeah. in your world, whether it was. You know, I've really lost my EA Sports allure when they did go Ultimate Team, but obviously that's sure. a major thing. You and I have had combos. Any gaming or digital interactions, even like back to Farmville, where it was you started <laughs> to build a collection in this gaming world and that collectability of cards started to cross over into gaming. Yeah, I mean, something that actually uh, kind of opened my eyes years ago was just as World of Warcraft got big. I mean, I wasn't into MMORPGs. I wasn't big into World of Warcraft. I played StarCraft back in high school. But seeing friends of mine who were just grinding and grinding to get um, top level characters and then learning about the economy of it, where people are like, oh, they can sell their accounts on eBay or something else. It's like, holy crap, they could actually take something that is just a, a digital asset it basically and sell it to somebody else sell their username and all of a sudden they've made money off of the work they put in and even thinking about things like pokemon right like you know you've got when pokemon go hit a few years ago it's like okay there's people who've got you know all these different uh high level mons from 2016 and you know that as soon as they get traded it's just going to turn lucky there's all this other value accorded to it and i've always been intrigued by like what people accord value to right and if you think about it in the 
gaming space, there's so much already baked in to different games that are part of the, the bigger meta right now, you know, CSGO, Dota, they've got different things that are already have bespoke marketplaces. Well, you know, seeing that as like what you own is something that somebody else wants, therefore somebody's going to want to collect it. And I remember even as a kid, my family being like, oh, these cards aren't going to be worth anything. Well, it's worth something if somebody wants to pay for it. And if you think about it, there's so much to what we play, what we do, what we achieve that somebody might want and want to collect. So there's a lot of different things that kind of went into that. And um, even thinking about like, just as I started looking at all the different things that are going on right now, like seeing how esports orgs have so many great achievements. And it's like, if you had the ability to say, hey, I was there for that and have something that you can actually hold in your like digital trophy case, basically. To me, that's something that like speaks to fandom and speaks to why I get so excited about the different things that I'm a fan of. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of things started snowballing and coming into play. And so you sat back, NFTs were happening, your background in collectibles, gaming, understanding this a little bit, you land at Arterra. Yeah. And give now the elevator pitch, what, is Artera. So Artera is really driving the idea of these digital collectibles that is meant to be for gamers by gamers. It's Do meant to be collectibles. you specifically use the term digital collectibles because what I'll say, whether it's mainstream media or just maybe potentially elephant in the room, the notion that gamers hate NFTs, is that a thing on your mind? I, it's definitely a part of the, the discussion. I mean, you know, two years ago, I would say most people didn't know NFT from DVD. And, uh, you know, you took a look at it. And once we started to even like unpack, what is the important thing about what we're doing? What's the functionality of it? Um, you know, uh, gamers are, are a very eclectic group. There is no monolith of gamers. Um, you know, a League of Legends fan is going to be completely different than, um, you know, a Fortnite fan or a player or or even somebody who now is, you know, head, head deep in Axie. Um, but the, the overall arching dynamic right now, if there is a monolith, um, is that, you know, NFTs are bad for the environment, they're a scam, they're a cash grab, all the different things that we've heard and seen. And the core of what we're building is something that's about collecting. It's about, hey, because I, you know, own this, I now have X, Y, and Z. And because I'm a fan of this org or that streamer, I want to support them and provide them an opportunity to, you know, have a little bit of a, uh, of a revenue stream. But also, like, the cool thing about what we're building, and, and we'll get into that in a second, is that a lot of our streamers and a lot of our partners are giving things out for free to start. Because so much about what we're doing is about supporting fandom. You know, if you're a fan of you know, an org, a streamer, anything like that. We want to be able to get you in the door and say, hey, get this collectible just for being a part of this stream. You know, my, my favorite uh, Fortnite streamer was just playing at Worlds. And so uh, anybody who was watching on this stream uh, was able to just click this link and, and claim this free item. And because of that, I'm going to have a, um, an AMA with him uh, next week, unpacking his experience there and, and just chatting with him. You know, so for us, yep. it's all about that engagement. To us, it's the future of fan engagement where you have these collectibles that allow people to really engage with the fans and the orgs that, they, um, that they're really big on. So back to a little bit of like what is differentiating Artera and as a business, there's obviously the focus on gaming, gamers specifically, esports organizations specifically. Right. Is there differentiation in the tech that y'all are offering? Say I'm a big major esports organization. Is what is Artera offering me that isn't say maybe your classic? I'm going to just put out an Ethereum project working with a consultant, uh, and it's going to pop up on OpenSea. Yeah, I mean it's a great question. One of the biggest things that we really offer is creating custom solutions. We know that each org, each streamer is going to be completely different. Um, because we're building on the near protocol, um, and I don't know how many people are familiar with near, but near is just another level one. But the cool thing is it's scalable, it's certified climate neutral. And the way that we've built our Terra, we actually have a set of tools that allow us to make something that makes sense for the brand. So, you know, if we're working with a tier one org, we don't even necessarily want people to go to our Terra.co 
we want people to go to their website, their environment. And so we've built um, a set of APIs and SDKs that, that really allow us to take this framework, this infrastructure, and make it something that makes sense for their brand. I mean, we're not working with them, but it's like if you're working with FaZe or if you're with, uh, you know, any other, you know, top tier, you know, crazy orgs like that, we want to say, don't come to artero.co, go to their website and check out this awesome marketplace that's just for them. And the other thing that's really cool about what we build, and I think that I'm really excited about is, you know, the near protocol, the way that we built it, everything is seen in dollars and cents. So, you know, a lot of people in the gaming community uh, are skeptical. They're either crypto skeptic or cryptophobic in a way. And we make it so that people see things in dollars and cents. They use their credit card. We have payments allowed through Stripe. So, you know, it's all very familiar. And again, being able to have something that's scalable, not having to worry about gas fees is really important. So that if a if a org wants to do just free collectibles or $5, $10, $20 collectibles, it, it's really easy to do. And we think that's something that's a little bit more accessible because when you take a look at the current setup of Ethereum, you know, the cost to mint something and having to teach people about gas fees and, okay, is the org subsidizing this? Who's paying for that? Because of the great relationship we've got with the near protocol, we don't have to worry about all that. And, you know, it's it's really, really a scalable solution and something that makes sense for a community that often prides itself on not paying money for a game, you know, where it's you're, you're a free to play baller, basically, or you only spend five bucks on something and look how far you've got. Yeah. I want to go two separate paths. First, I'd love to hear about the recent drop that you guys did with complexity, I believe it was. After that, and I've just made a note on my side, is what I've heard a lot now in the early stages is collectibles, pretty much blockchain, digital-based collectibles backed by the blockchain for esports and gaming orgs or creators on the near protocol. But how about the next thing we're going to is like integration within games. Mm -hmm. But first, yeah, so I want to hear about the recent drop and <laughs> what you've got out in the market and where we can check that out. Got it. So first things first, the complexity drop is not live yet. It's on its mm. way. Um, but uh, there's some really, really cool things that are going to be announced with that um, ASAP. So keep your eyes peeled um, on that. Uh, to give an idea of what we've launched so far, um, our very first drop that we did um, was with Cubex, who is a massive Fortnite streamer. He's got about 300,000 followers on Twitch. Uh, he's out of Poland. Uh, very competitive, awesome dude. And we launched it as a free collectible. We did very, very, very little any kind of marketing or anything with this. We dropped the link in his Twitch stream, which had 2,000 people in it at the time. And it sold out in under seven minutes. And that was people who had never been to the website before. They all they did was click the link, got on there, verified that they were actually a real person and clicked claim. And so people were able to do that in, under, in just a matter of seconds. And when you think about the onboarding right now with standard NFT platforms or marketplaces, it's very difficult to get that to, to work. You know, you have to write down your 12 word key phrase and put it in your safety deposit box and hope you don't forget that code. You've got to, you know, convert money to Ethereum or wrapped Ethereum or wherever else. And the cool thing is we've made it so that a lot of that is just extrapolated out of the platform. And we've already seen streamers from Fortnite, from Call of Duty. Uh, we actually have a new one dropping this week with someone who is uh, big in the 2K community. And so it, it's something that's just very familiar and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we've already got um, a few different collectibles that are launched as part of our liftoff series where it's an easy to use template for creators where there's a couple of different tiers, almost like prism parallels in a way coming from my, my past at Panini where you, know, you have a base, you've got a silver and you've got a gold and each level has different uh, unlocks different perks and benefits of ownership. So for example, uh, VSAT, who is a really, really awesome uh, Call of Duty Black Ops player, he actually plays, um, he does zombies and he just does these marathons where he tries to set a world record. He is the world record holder for longest uh, time survived in that game. And one of his gold uh, versions, the gold liftoff version, you actually get the opportunity to play with him 
on a world record attempt. So just by owning this, you could actually be one step away from holding a world record in this game. Um, and so a lot of the creators that we've been talking to have just been really intrigued by the fact that what we built is something that's like, really it's web two, but with web three backing and web three infrastructure. And what I think we've done a, is made something yeah, that makes sense. I've been hearing that uh, approach more and more and almost like this like web 2.75 uh, right. in terms of from like a, a purchasing and shopping experience, that front end seamlessness, you know, and then kind of handling some of the more, what I'll say, technical aspects of minting and contract and all that like deep on the back end. Um, mm -hmm. It definitely is something that I'm feeling like it's picking up some steam. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something that was so core to what we built because, you know, even our, like our team, our, our, our founding team is obviously very big in the space. They love NFTs. They love, you know, everything to do with blockchain. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that there's been a, a disservice that a lot of different platforms have done where they focus too much on bringing esports and gaming fans into Web3 and into crypto communities, rather than bringing the tools and the technology of Web3, of NFTs, of crypto, whatever you want to call it, to esports and gaming fans. And the same thing that, you know, I think that when you think about it, you know, gamers are stubborn, right? I mean, for years and years, I would never be caught dead holding um, an Xbox controller and then back, you know, and uh -huh. forth, I'd never, I'd never be caught holding dead, or I'd never be caught dead holding a PlayStation controller. You know, you, you think about the different things that gamers, the, the hills that gamers are willing to, to die on, right? There are certain things that they just get very, very passionate about. And yeah. why not take those passions and bring things to them that make sense to enhance who they are as gamers, rather than saying, hey, that's cool, your passions are fine, but you know what, you need to learn about friends, you need to learn about all, about wag me. You need to learn about how to do all these different things to fit into the NFT community. Why not bring the tools and the tech to the gaming community? That's where we've been really, really focused on making Focus. something that makes sense. Cool. Uh, while we're chatting, if you are here listening now and you've got questions, comments, want to come up and jam, just fire up requests. I'll just keep bringing people up as we kind of have the next 20, 25 minutes of combo. Uh, I love different questions, comments, uh, even concerns we can address. Um, but real quick, how about marketplace-wise? Where yeah. are these collectibles able to be traded? Um, is it a closed wall within like an Arctera ecosystem? Or what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Right now, it is just within the Arctera marketplace. So if you go to, um, I have it in my uh, Twitter, in my bio right now. Uh, there's app.artera.co. You can see our marketplace. And, and our Discord is in there as well in my bio. Um, right now, all the collectibles are living on the Artera marketplace. The great thing about the near protocol and the things that they're building is that in the future, you'll have the ability, if you want to, to export them via the, the rainbow bridge that near is building with, um, with Ethereum. Uh, so the cool thing is, you know, down the line, you'll be able to take these. And if you want to export them to an open sea or, you know, one of these other, uh, Ethereum based marketplaces, you can do that. And then the cool thing is we're also working on a couple of different inroads with other protocols uh, to allow for some flexibility for, for the people we're working with. But for right now, everything is just on the Artera marketplace. And there's a lot of different things that we've kind of talked about with that. One of the cool thing is our ambition is to be the, the collectible hub for esports and gaming. So ideally, you know, we have fans of complexity. Ideally, we've got fans of this Fortnite streamer or these players or these, um, these streamers and you have this high concentration of people who are interested in this. Um, you know, because right now, if you take it to OpenSea, you're going to get lost in literally a sea of a million other projects. And so for us, what we really want to see is this cool conglomeration of fans of esports and gaming, content creators and streamers. And uh, we think that's going to be a really cool opportunity for streamers, especially for discoverability, the opportunity to do some different things like tournaments and, and uh, cool things with the people that we're working with and kind of have a, a really awesome community there. Sweet. Meta committee. We got <laughs> yeah. How are you guys? Hey, how's very, it going? Very well. How are you today? Hey, hey, great, man. I've just been kind of tapping into this space and that space, just trying to learn more so that I could uh, spread more awareness. Um, I like the whole sports uh, integration into the space, into the Web3 and um, 
utilizing that. I think the important thing to start off with to bring uh, people into the space and into Web3 is the lingo. I think I heard somebody say something about that earlier, but I think the lingo is the most important aspect of it because if you don't understand what wag me means, I mean, I posted wag me on one of my non-Web3 uh, pages and I didn't get any likes. So I'm thinking everybody's probably like, what is, what is he talking about? What does he mean by wag me? I mean, we all gonna make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're all gonna yeah. make it. It was a motivational yeah. uh, post. We're all gonna make it, but no one knew. So I think that um, lingo, just starting with basic lingo from the ground up is yeah. important when, when drawing people into the space to try to spread awareness. I mean, I hate to say it like this, but you really have to speak to people like they're, they're an eight-year-old. And really, a lot of eight year olds know more about the space than us grown ups. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, so what I think a lot about, even when you say that, is context. Mm-hmm. Right? It's context. And really, in some capacity, storytelling. Um, something I was thinking about in the shower today is we, <laughs> am I out Careful, joke, we, we joke a lot about coupons. And this notion of couponing, right? Like the more money you spend, the more discounts they're going to get. And then everyone kind of has that like, oh, I got the coupon and it ends in two days. So I'm gonna, I got to go spend money or otherwise the coupon is going to run out. Yet if you don't go and use the coupon, well, you're saving more money than using the coupon in general. And these incentivized ways. And then I'm like, okay, I can definitely help a lot of people that are big into couponing understand NFTs through telling the story of why this is a new, better version of couponing. Or individuals that played The Sims, right? Right. What What if you were, you know, there's a lot of people that walk around that believe they were the best architect or best home builder ever when they put in the Rosebud sheet in The Sims and had unlimited money that they made <laughs> the coolest homes ever. What if That's a trip right there. sell them? Right. Cool. Yeah, like, so to me, it's very much that. Go, go. Yeah. I, I mean, think about it, though. It, it's, you know, if the first time that I even started to try and understand League of Legends and looking at the chat in in uh, someone's stream, I mean, I was lost as all get out because, I mean, there's so many inside jokes and references and, you know, I mean, the first time anybody steps on a, you know, goes to a Twitch stream and doesn't understand what Pog or Poggers is, it's like, okay, I I remember playing Pogs as a kid. What is that? You know, that's a very rudimentary thing. But, you know, to to Meta's point, like, you know, there's a lot of different things that people don't understand about the space. And that's why what we really want to do is, again, bring this space to them and say, hey, here's why we think this is cool and this is important going forward. And, you know, in a way, we want to be that kind of translation where, you know, you don't necessarily have to say wag me right away. You just got to be like, hey, check this out. You're in on this and we've got these collectibles available. And, you know, down the line, because you own this, there could be something really, really awesome, both in real life and and digitally that, you know, is going to benefit you to hold it, obviously. And there's just a lot of things that, you know, when you're new to a space that, you know, is almost a barrier to entry. And we want to take as many of those away as possible. Good point. Great point. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest stuff for us. I mean, you know, even in working with the different clients that we've got, some of them are going to be building out their own white labeled marketplaces basically where you know we're telling people again go to their website go to this portal and experience everything that they've got planned versus somebody who's a streamer for example one of our content creators is growing he's been an exceptional on a really really high trajectory he's got about you know twenty thousand followers now um so he's still on the up and up but it's like if you've got this now, this is a really great opportunity to get in with him on the ground floor as he grows as a channel and as he starts to um, experience a ton of growth. But at the same time, he's not ready for 
an entire web environment with a bunch of different collectibles. So, you know, you have somebody like an org like Complexity we mentioned earlier, they've got almost 20 years of, of history. And so if you can do different things that are rewarding people who have been kind of OGs and been fans from day one, you've got a really, really awesome opportunity to build out almost like IP, right? Almost like intellectual property, um, building out a cool environment and things that harken back to the core of fandom, you know? And, and when you think about the things that you're fans of, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into why I'm a fan of something. And there's a few different pillars that we kind of look at. It's like, it's about belonging. It's about self-care. It's about, you know, being a part of a community. And we really think that these collectibles can, can hearken a lot of that and, and um, enhance your fandom. Meta Committee, do you collect anything non-digitally? Yes, uh, I have some baseball cards from uh, the 90s and before. <laughs> A uh, couple of football cards, baseball. Baseball cards was my collection. I'm a little older. So uh, I collect the cards back in elementary. You know, the Nolan Ryans, the Will Clarks, Frank Thomas's, Ken Griffey Jr.'s, stuff like that. That was, I think that was my first um, collection of sorts mm -hmm. starting off. And then now that we're into the digital world, and I look at that, I'm like, wow, I was really collecting NFTs without the digital aspect when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. The only difference is, mm -hmm. a, well, not one of the only differences is that it's digital. And the other difference is, well, it may not be a difference because when I was collecting, I was part of a community of other kids that collected baseball cards and we used to trade. So, yeah, and I remember trading a... Uh, King Griffey Jr. <laughs> Ricky Carr for Will Clark, and I kind of kicked myself in the butt for that now. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I think even that point is a beautiful, you know, thing to think about in the sense of what the blockchain provides. In that, if that person you do a one-to-one -one trade and then they go sell it, the ability for you to not maybe take as much of an L on. I also, it's funny to me. There's um, in pockets, and I and I actually really enjoy the terminology of digital collectible. Not in so much of like a we need to get away from NFT, but mm -hmm. this notion that everything needs to be bought or collected as an investment for a potential later flip, versus collecting for the enjoyment of collecting and use it as a form of identity within sub communities uh, yeah. and this notion that ebay exists ebay exists everyone that has access to the internet or a post office has the ability to sell things to anyone in the world yet by and large most people will have attics filled with stuff that they never look at and don't resell and so i think there's this almost what's happening in collecting tchotchkes or just stuff is now becoming much more aware of like the arbitrage that can happen. But in NFTs, it's going backwards. I think the long tail is much more focused on collecting, trading, identifying, etc., than just buying to hopefully flip and make money. And I have this whole fascination with $5 NFTs of like just IP and collectability rather than investment grade opportunities. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, we actually really, you know, it isn't necessarily about distancing from NFTs. I mean, we do shy away from, from the terminology just again, because of the kind of zeitgeist right now, but it is the, the core of it is about collecting. And we do want to get away from certain things that I would say have tainted the reputation of NFTs over the last, you know, year and a half, you know, that people are rightfully, you know, concerned about certain things like when when you see certain organizations who have had um members who were involved in pump and dump scams or if you see people you know in nba players who have uh promised something with an nft project and said oh it's gonna we're gonna do all these different things and then they don't hold up their end of the bargain and people all of a sudden have lost their investment because it was a big investment or even just you know we, we've seen multiple projects over the last uh, year in the esports and gaming 
space where crypto centric and crypto heavy uh, providers have built this, you know, kind of project and promised the moon, but then they didn't even get out of the stratosphere. And now those projects are completely dead on arrival and no one can even actually find them. Sounds um, like CryptoPunk 20 or Cyberpunk 2022. It kind of is, right? I mean, the, the except that, you know, you, you're not out 60 bucks or 80 bucks, you're probably out a few hundred bucks, if not more. And, um, you know, so we're very clear where it's like, hey, do collectibles for free. Do things just to get this started, see what people think about it. And I, I remember I was at the Esports Awards um, back in November. And I shared a ride with somebody who's a caster and he's a, um, I forget which game he casts, but we're talking and he's like, so what are you doing in this space? I was like, well, we're building a, an NFT platform for esports and gaming. And he gave the full like, you know, the Chrissy Teigen uh, cringe face basically. Mm-hmm. And I started to explain, to him, I was like, yeah, I, I get it, man. I'm like, but here's the thing. What You're a caster, right? Well, what if you had a collectible that was just for you and you gave it out for free and anybody who held it could then do a one-on-one with you where you teach them how to get better at casting. And it's only available for people who hold that collectible. Or if you have one that's maybe 10 bucks or 20 bucks, something like that. And it's like, hey, you're gonna have an opportunity to cast with you on a match. Different things about access. And you know, we've even started to go get away from utility because so many people are promising utility and not delivering. But it's about access and utility. It's about things yeah. that like make that make a lot of sense. And it has to make sense for that brand because again, a caster has a completely different set of expectations than a, a tier one org or, um, you know, even like, you know, under the Vayner family with Booga. I mean, with what Booga does, it's, it, it would be a very different dynamic than somebody who just is a, a casual um, variety streamer. And so- yeah. Jeff, um, I see you raising yeah. your hand just while you're here. You got some thoughts on your mind? You wanna jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, bro. Um, of course, man. No, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a huge football fan. And so I think of FIFA mm. and, uh, you know, I think of the, how big FIFA is to a franchise or a, a company like EA Sports. The question I have for you is how do you see NFTs um, in terms of those like seasonal games where much of the revenue is like FIFA is, a, they are, they are essentially selling you the same game every single year, but someone like me <laughs> loves spending that $60 every single year, you know, like my wife doesn't get it, but I'm like, yes, we get <laughs> 60 bucks every single September. Um, how, how do you and, see that? And it's out? worth like, it for the first three hours of playing alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, three hours I, might be I ambitious. FIFA. FIFA is my home. Like that is, that is my yeah. life. But, um, just just talking on that like because i feel like nfts you know they they exist forever and it kind of cuts against the seasonal aspect do you, do you have any comments on that i don't know if that's uh if that makes sense yeah i mean there's a lot of different things and we've even had this discussion with a few different streamers we, we were actually talking with somebody who is a caster who uh we had some great kind of use cases and discussions with him and then he's like yeah but the problem is like I don't want someone to come at me in 20 years and be like, Hey, you, I bought this. So now you better deliver. And so, you know, the yearly side of things is very interesting where if you have a yearly release, like a FIFA or um, even like WWE or, or any of these big seasonal releases, it, it, the, the, the way to do long-term engagement with that, I would think would be like, Hey, obviously it's 2024 and you hold the 2021 uh, collectible from this, uh, from this game. Well, maybe because you own that, you get an extended demo uh, when the demo comes out. Maybe because you hold it, you also get three exclusive packs for you know Ultimate Team or 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 Mutt and Madden. Um, it, the idea is about long term engagement, so you want to incentivize people for holding. You want to say, hey, this isn't just a dead collectible. It's not something that you can just you know, okay, now that we're past the state, it has zero functionality. Um, even if they wanted to do things like you know, thinking about ultimate or, or, or mud, it's like, you know, you can't, if you collect, um, one gold card from 21, 22, 23, and 24, I'm speaking futurology a bit, but if you collect one from each of those years, now you get a platinum pack that nobody else gets. There's ways to still incentivize what are quote unquote dead collectibles. It's just about how will you do it? I remember speaking with, you know, Tyler and Gary about, 
uh, a project that looked like it had been abandoned. And it's like, okay, is there, are there legs to this? Is this something that people are going to look back on and say, Hey, this is the first verified NFT of, um, you know, of these players while it's not licensed, does it matter? You know, it's, we, we had that big conversation last, uh, I think it was like August uh, or whenever that was Tyler. Um, and, you know, it's just a thought provoking discussion. It's like, okay, you have, you see something that might be dead. How can you revive it? How can you, you know, still reward people for holding it? Um, you know, th there's just ways to make that work. It's obviously up to the developer and it's up to the holders of that IP, but there's a lot of ways to make that work. So you're not just, you know, SOL once the new game comes out. Jeff, I think it's going to be really, and, and why, well, for one of many reasons it's, it's fascinating times is it's, uh, it's like the cyclical nature of business and leadership and business models and will industries uh, adapt and be willing to make short-term tough decisions and, you know, maybe lose in the short-term for, you know, long-term games. Like, like if you look at, EA Sports business model around FIFA. Yeah, essentially they're paying, you know, their business model is charge for a pass to then spend more money on the platform through Ultimate Team and then do that year over year. Over time, will something like a So Rare or these other platforms be able to spin up and hold their breath long enough where the licensing deals and the resale and the royalties and all that become so grand that you know, they have the time to build a potentially competitive game. I think one of the things is like the backward nature, you know, they're so far along. It's not easy to just make FIFA. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of projects, whether it's, you know, a lot of like the FUD that's happened around Cool Cats or, you know, mm -hmm. even just play to earn or like to create a game that anyone cares to play is an incredibly tough task. And for it to have lasting power is not easy. But Will EA Sports understand that? I, one man's point of view. In due time, the consumer is going to demand the ability to reshare, resell their digital goods that they pay for. Will EA Sports be able to implement that, or will the potential licensing fees for the Premier League at all be greater by going on other platforms because they're getting perpetuity of resale forever? I don't know, but I think that that's what is right now creating so much different action in markets um, because these decisions are going to be, you know, very real. You're starting to see it in fashion, right? Are you, are you eating at your business? If you sell a digital Dolce & Gabbana dress, are you devaluing your physical? I, I'm not sure, but that those questions are all being played out. And obviously right. in from a leadership role, it's going to be a lot of, you know, decisions. We've seen it in Web2. How fast did people get online? Bookstores. Blockbuster goes out of business. Like, it's kind of the same thing. And video games yeah. is staring itself in the face with a lot of this stuff, as is a, just licensed collectibles, I, I would say, at large. Which is mm -hmm. EA Sports now business model. Sell licensed digital yeah. collectibles. Yeah. And I mean, to put it in perspective, and again, this ages me a little bit, but Back in 09, um, I was actually working for the LA Clippers and uh, I was working in what was called uh, the, the new media department. It reported to the database marketing person and the web design person. As a matter of fact, I was working as a social media person, but we didn't call it social media yet. We had Facebook and we had Twitter and then we had our actual website. All the focus was taking tweets and turning them into website traffic. And this feels foreign because it's 13 years ago. And it's like, okay, Twitter's been around for, you know, 15 years, whatever it is now. But at the time, no one knew how to monetize that. And at the time also, so many people were saying, I don't need a Twitter. Nobody needs to know what I had for breakfast this morning. And two years later, every single brand, every single sports team, every single organization pretty much has a, you know, a dedicated person, if not an entire team devoted to social media. I think we're at that point right now where people are saying, okay, NFTs are scammed. Why does this need to be an NFT? Why does, why can't this just be something else? But I think that every single brand going forward is going to have either in-house or um, contracted out NFT strategists because 
if you're, you know, you mentioned Dolce & Gabbana, or, you know, if you're a luxury watch company, you know, you can do digital companions, you can do um, different things that try to enhance that relationship. If you're, you know, Toyota, what does an NFT look like for you? Um, if you're Aston Martin, if you're something with already a limited quantity of something, it makes a ton of sense. But the question is, you know, how does an NFT help enhance your brand and how does it help enhance your relationship with your fans? And that's where, again, so much of what we focused on is making sure that the strategy makes sense for the brands that we're working with. If someone comes to us and says, hey, we just want to make a derivative of uh, Bored Apes and uh, make it look cool for who we are and there's no real utility around it, we just want to do this. We're going to say no, because that's not who we are. Like, that's just not our strategy. That's not our lane. And, um, you know, for us, it's about doing things that make sense for brands. And especially within esports and gaming, where knowing what gamers want and even exploring what gamers do and don't want um, and understanding how different that is, depending on what game they're playing and, and where they are. There's a great uh, article online written by Packy McCormick who's a fantastic mm -hmm. writer, has this blog, Not Boring, called The Great Online Game, How to Win the Internet. And mm -hmm. at times I sit and obviously I've worked a lot in that industry with, you know, version one, Rocker and, and Booga and all that. And, yeah, you know, I think maybe you and I have had the conversation too of like pre-NFTs, the conversation on CNBC and everywhere was like, gaming is eating and everything gaming's eating entertainment and this article is about how the internet has essentially made everything a game and mm -hmm. nft trading and so sometimes when we talk about like gamers people that are good at twitter are are, are playing video games i believe that you know like logging on yeah. and being like let me see what i can do here um and so it's just a, 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 for some reason, we're not able to pin tweets in this space right now, but there's a piece called The Great Online Game by Packy McCormick that I, I think would be a good read. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. Also, I just want to give a, a shout out to Slasher, Rob, yeah. uh, Rod, Rod, I, I uh, consume a lot of their content and I just appreciate them tapping in. It is a very, I don't know if it's polarizing. I don't know if it's triggering, but my point a little bit, like part of my read on the gaming thing is, gaming was taking over the mainstream narrative of metaverse and all that. And, and then here comes NFTs and it's like, gamers are like, we've been using discord for the last mm -hmm. however many years. We understand <laughs> online communities. We've been buying things digitally. This isn't new. Screw all y'all, which is kind right. of always been like a little bit of a gamer thing. Like, you know, the world's yeah. always against them. So I do think that there's a little bit of energy there. Um, we got about 10 minutes left to go. I got to get Shani yeah. up on stage to uh, give out the PO app, um, as well as if there's any other comments, questions, or tangent conversations uh, that people want to have, um, feel free to throw a request up there. So Corey, I wanted to ask, um, as far as like presenting this to all of these other like tr traditional gamers, we'll, we'll call them like, have mm -hmm. some of them been receptive from the start or have you had to like, like you said with that one streamer, have to kind of like wriggle their arm a little bit and kind of explain it to them? Like, have they been like, has, have, have some experiences with them been easier than most when it comes to explaining your whole concept behind what you're doing right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, every conversation has been different. You know, um, we we talked with a streamer uh, who just became a partner is on a absolutely meteoric rise right now. Um, I, I love what he's doing. He's got a really cool brand. He is likes it a kid in Germany that lights fireworks and like plays every time he kills someone. <laughs> no, no, not uh, not those kind of meteors. Uh, just regular. Ones. <laughs> Got it. Got um, but he liked what we were doing and he saw a lot of benefit. He's like, I just have to be so careful right now. He's like, I don't want to do something that could threaten what I've already built. And he's like, I want to continue this conversation, but right now is not the time. Um, but then also we had, we were talking with a major organization who um, we, the first time we had a conversation with them, this was, this was pre top shot. This was pre blow up. This is pre everything really becoming part of the um, bigger conversation and explaining what an NFT was and everything else. He's like, okay, I just don't see how this really fits in with us. And like, we'll, we'll send some, some data. We'll give you some, some in insight. Three months later, after Top Shot blows up, after 
CryptoPunks and Board Ape launch, we have almost an identical conversation. And he goes, wow, this looks really cool. I think there could be a really good opportunity. Um, we had a longer conversation. We didn't end up working with that org. But uh, sometimes all it takes is a little bit to make it real for somebody and have that light bulb go off. I remember for me, the first conversations I even had with our company, you know, trying to get my head around everything blockchain, everything NFT. It's not easy if you're, you know, um, not really attuned to the space. But then once I started to see, okay, think of it in terms of, for me, trading cards. And okay, there's 300 cards in the prison base set. But obviously, the LeBron James card is going to sell for a lot more than the Devin Eubanks or, you know, um, JaVale McGee. They're printed the exact same. The print runs the exact same. But because of some extra asset that's tied to it, in this case, a photo, the likeness of LeBron James, that's going to have more value. Understanding that to me really started to open things up. So I'm like, hey, I can I can sell you a, a Prism base card of Bradley Beal. It's a non-rookie for 200 bucks, but you're going to say, why would I ever spend 200 bucks on that? But if it was a rookie of LeBron James, I know there's no Prism rookie of LeBron James, but um, if there's a, a Prism rookie of Anthony Davis, we'll say. That 2012 say, Prism, that 2012 Prism is hot. I mean, I know it is. Yeah, I love that 2012 Prism. Um, that was one of my favorite products we ever did. Um, that was good. But yeah, so that, that helped it for me. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me up. Hey Jordan. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so being super deep into esports, playing, you know, I used to play Pro Dota 2 and just like been way into it. Uh, and now kind of working with an esports organization, building things out. We're still seeing that kind of box populi being heavily negative towards NFTs in the crypto space. And you guys kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to yep. get kind of your opinion, Corey, on how you see that shifting in the future and whether that's towards a play to earn game or if it's a game that builds more of like gameplay out and kind of how does that culture shift? Because that is the one industry where I see it taking crypto very negatively compared to the rest. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, again, we've had so many conversations, like I mentioned, um, you know, helping people understand why it's important going forward. We saw, for example, when G2 launched Samurai Army, uh, the comments in the, uh, you know, Twitter and every, everything else was, was overwhelmingly negative. And you saw so many people go like, oh, I got to find a new team. I got to find a new team. But then you look and the Samurai Army Discord had 20,000 people sign up day one. And obviously G2 is an incredible brand. They're massive. Yep. But there's something to that. And you take a look at Dr. Disrespect, what he just did with Midnight Society and what he's doing for, for his project well-received. Obviously, there's going to be some people who are going to continue to naysay, but there's going to be people who keep saying, oh, I got to find a new team. I got to find a new team. And they're going to run out of teams just because people are going to find ways to make this technology make sense for them. And, you know, what happened with 100 Thieves this year was great, but it made, and it made people forget, or maybe not even know that last year they dropped something on foundation that a lot of people in the community said was just a blatant cash grab. That's nothing against 100 Thieves. They, they saw what happened, didn't like it, and learned and did something that 700,000 people claimed. So I think that it's got to make sense for every brand. I think that play to earn is going to have its own lane. But I think at the same time, you're going to have collectibles like what we're doing and maybe other uh, organizations as well, where it's about enhancing that fan brand relationship. Obviously, play to earn is going to be is, is a big focus now and everyone's talking metaverse and everything else. But the big thing is, what how is this important for my brand? Why is this important for me to use this technology? You know, Space Station has a completely different viewpoint than maybe Panda does or Complexity or G2 or anybody else. We are working with a new org right now that's on the ground floor. They're just in Fortnite and Valorant. Their needs are completely different than the org that we're working with in Brawl, Brawl Stars. And so to me, it's about showing people, you know, Tyler mentioned it too, as little friction as possible, why owning these is actually something that can be a benefit. Gotcha. That's a really, really thoughtful and in-depth answer. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Awesome, yeah. So do you see guilds kind of pivoting in that same sense too, whereas a lot of the play-to-earn guilds right now are heavily focused on uh, you know, kind of return on investment. It's heavily, you know, DeFi oriented. Do you see kind of guilds being more, you know, community oriented in the future? I mean, I hope so. I, I really do. 
Um, because to your point, I mean, if you got into Axie Infinity at an at a early stage, awesome. If not, you know, you're still doing okay, but you're not doing as well as you were. You know, Top Shot brought everything to the mainstream, I would say, and, and you know, flow is what it is and what they do, it is what it is. But um, coming from the sports collectible space previously, it was innovative, very eye-catching, and it was a cool thing. But if you got in in May or June of last year, more likely than not, you you lost a lot of money and think that NFTs are a scam. Um, so, but now what it's evolved into is okay, own these of your favorite fan or of your favorite team, and you're you know you have cool different ways to collect. I think there's going to be ways that guilds are going to evolve to where yeah, you can use NFTs in this game, do something that makes sense for that IP. I mean, again. We were talking about League of Legends and MOBAs overall. Thinking about like if you're an expert, if you're a retired pro at, at a, as a MOBA player, what if a collectible that you know was rewarding somebody for being there during a championship or rewarding somebody for just supporting your stream? What if that unlocked Twitch status, uh, secret emojis, um, and the opportunity to have coaching from that player? it's going to be a completely different dynamic than a group that we're working with that's only focused on tournaments and using collectibles as your tournament entry. So guilt, I think, you know, it's just still got a lot of time to evolve, but I think that the use cases will flesh themselves out. And I think that there's a ton of opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's pretty interesting just seeing that everyone's kind of different approaches and application towards NFT just because it's such a broad, you know, a uh, blanket term, people don't really understand a lot of the actual application. So it's interesting to For sure. know, hear both sides. I mean, I think we're also, when I, I mean, the, the, the biggest or arguably the biggest, I believe the, the game that's had the single most cultural impact in the last, I don't know, decade or what have you, is a free to play game. I remember the day my, my roommate's younger brother walked into our apartment and was like download this game and it was like a free to play game on the xbox store and i was like you want to play a free game like it's like marbles <laughs> marbles or something you know what i mean and so <laughs> i just I, I do believe the space is it's going there's many years of innovation ahead and i think one of the large reasons is that the turnover of business models when the thing when when the going is good and I believe it's not easy to make a game that is sticky enough for people to want to care and play about. And it's going to take a very long time for those two things to simultaneously integrate where the business model also has the end consumer in mind. But it, I always just, it, uh, many days it dawns on me, I'm like, it's a free game and it's the biggest. And, and they've had a resurgence right now because they made a big change to it and, mm-hmm. and innovating, obviously, yep. always on innovation. Like when you think about what Fortnite did every day, putting in new content, yeah. And then you think about what NFT communities and sustainable demand and floor pricing, all these different things. There's some weird similarities there in terms of why Fortnite has been able to be successful and what real execution is needed for sustained demand of some of these NFT projects that say they're going to go on and make a game. Yeah. And, you know, I even have friends who are, who are, you know, late thirties who hopped on Fortnite and are playing it and are loving it every single day. And, you know, you mentioned marbles, man, don't hate on marbles on stream. That's great. But, but even thinking about, you know, free to play games, right. You mentioned like, I remember when I first moved to Dallas, so back in like what, 2010, 2011, whatever that was, my cousin's playing League of Legends. I'm like, what in the world? This is weird. This is way out of my lane. Um, but seeing obviously how just preeminent that has become. And um, again, like the league dynamic is like none other. And even when you think about like current models of, of sponsorship and partnerships in, in esports and gaming, you know, Gucci and Louis Vuitton are focusing on those games. They're not focusing on Brawl Hollow. They're not focusing on Brawl Stars. They're not focusing on Marbles on Stream. Again, no offense to Marbles on Stream. But every brand has got a right fit and they've got a gamer that fits that, you know, that model. And just in the same way, I mean, the, the way that we're going to be working with top tier orgs is different than where we're working with individual streamers who are just starting out. And, you know, there's just uh, a, a lot of space to grow and a lot of opportunities to find use cases that make sense um, for orgs. And 
Um, so it's been exciting for us to have those conversations and, and be a part of it. And we really feel like what we're doing is um, is the right fit for, for the esports and gaming fan. Obviously, again, there's going to be some things that work and some things that don't. But at the same time, we really love uh, the partnerships we've been able to make so far and uh, what we've got planned for the rest of 22. Love it. It's a nice way to wrap it up right there, Core. I yeah, for sure. Time. I appreciate everyone that's tuned in. I'm excited to continue to watch from afar on what you're building. And I'm excited to hopefully get some on-card Mbappe autos sooner than later. And I know that one day, for me. <laughs> one day, I mean, you know, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll ping Alex again at, at Panini and see if he can make that happen for us. But uh, I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you again. Thanks again, I everybody. Um, yeah, really quick. Um, the link to the Artera marketplace is in my bio and uh, the link to our Discord is also in my bio. So please uh, take a look at that and uh, get ready for some awesome launches coming up this week and next week that um, we think are going to be pretty freaking awesome. Appreciate you, Corey. See you, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out every single live Twitter space on our Twitter at 1.37 p.m.